0: Bound 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 who breaker? hey, Logan, it's Joe, I just wanted to say welcome back, man. It was awesome having a, a new episode from you. I always get excited every time I see one pop up, so keep on um keep on doing it, man, you're doing great, all right, take it easy, peace out, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you taking the time to. Reach out and say something nice. Positive feedback goes a long way with me. Hey, it's Evil Jeff with Mean's and Musings. Just listened to the kaiju episode. Great episode. Uh, let me add something to it that you might want to throw out there for other people. For And it was when you said the largest tree that anybody has ever seen. It brought to mind something peeking over a wall. And then the next thing I had next idea i had was the images from the attack on titan anime where the titans are you know basically giants but there's one in particular that towers over a wall that apparently was like 100 meters or more it it was just a gigantic wall and it towered over it so might be something for people to think about look at I always like getting calls from Jeff with sinister leanings because he always has something to add to the conversation. Thanks a lot. This one is perfect because this episode is on cities and what you're saying about something huge looking over the wall ties into the idea that if you establish your setting well, then bringing something new into that setting will have a greater impact. Wahoo, swordbreaker! Cody M. of the No Say For You podcast had a really fantastic dream about a megacity riding on the back of Godzilla. It made me want to talk about cities. I think when it comes to cities, people wanting to do world building get a little overwhelmed. There are these big, vibrant places with a million things, and they feel like they have to build so much. All the districts, all the streets all the vendors, everything that their party might encounter. But I don't think that's the case. When I was growing up, I was about an hour outside of an iconic American city. And my high school friends and my early college friends, they just had all these aspirations to move to this city. It's going to be so great. There's nothing cooler than the city. There's so many opportunities, all these things we can do. And some of them did move there, and when I went to visit them, guess what? They built a little hamster trail for themselves. They went to the same dance club, they went to the same grocery store, they went to work, they came back. They really weren't seeing all the city all the time. They were really experiencing about the same size town that they came from within the confines of a larger city. I think a really perfect way to express that type of city experience is through Dungeon World's draw maps and leave blanks principle. You don't have to draw much. Just give them a few things that they're likely to encounter all the time and let them explore from there. Something I've really grown attached to having used a lot of Marshall Miller's dungeon starters is the idea of impressions and instincts. Cities like Any kind of setting in your game has an opportunity to play a role as a character in your story. Give that character a face and give that character a heart. I mentioned that I used to live near an iconic city. See if you can guess which one it is by these impressions followed by an instinct. A market takes advantage of the old storehouses left behind on one of the city's many piers. Every day it is bustling with street performers food vendors, and tourists. Delivery people struggle with the many steep hills and one-way streets. Birds from distant lands have escaped captivity and now thrive in the sometimes foggy, sometimes baking climate. Districts celebrate languages and traditions from all over the world. A town within the city explodes with fireworks and dancing dragons. Instinct. Reveal something they didn't know about the city. Reveal something they didn't know about themselves. If you think you've got it, see if you can be the first person to call in with the name of that city. 8 Variations on Cities Number 1 The city of Dolmo seems to cling to the face of a massive cliff. A spring-fed waterfall emerges from an elaborately carved opening at the city's center. It's difficult to understand the full dimensions of this ancient metropolis until you've seen the deep networks of tunnels hidden by the somewhat modest outer structures. Number 2 The Wa-Ergazu is a city on the move. It started as a humble trade caravan, but with successful merchants a culture known for free expression, and the willingness to give jobs to outcasts and the destitute, it has grown into a nomadic movement that rivals even the greatest of the cities it does business with. Number three. Only a magic portal can get you into the city of Amberton. A foolish deal with demonic powers trapped the entire city in the amber ring worn by the head of a wicked household. The agreement called for long lives, and the citizens of Amberton now exist in a slower time stream. Number 4. The imminent destruction of St. Apollon is obvious to locals and visitors alike. The famous hot baths, beautiful scenery, and fine dining make the city irresistible despite the active volcano it calls home. Number 5. Martu rises and falls with the tide. Thousands of barrels keep the city afloat when the water is high, and large stones keep the structures out of the mud when the water has receded. Citizens say that the city council is made up of nine silkies and an idiot. Number six. Fa, is known to most as the Whispering City. The monks at the center of all things demand silence on the mountain while the sun is shining. It is a place of old traditions, Unusual romantic arrangements and a million kites. Number seven. The twin cities of Baselburg and Korm stand in exactly the same place. Any polished silver mirror brought into either city becomes an opening to the other. Large mirrors act as doorways, while handheld mirrors are often used for theft or assassination. Paranoia rules both cities. Number eight. Flunderwell crouches on the edge of a sinkhole. Within the dark maw, an endless labyrinth sprawls out in constantly changing directions. What magic continuously refills the passages with monsters and gemstones nobody knows. With a little courage and a lot of talent, it's a great place to strike it rich. Wahoo, swordbreaker! I was super happy to discover that I have three new fast friends and one new heroic knight who have joined my cause on Patreon. Tim Baker, Robert Bush, Aaron Clark, and Luke Quaid. I want to thank you for the contribution you made. Speaking of Patreon supporters, Jim Tripp completely astonished me by raising his pledge to the ETERNAL CHAMPION level. I am so thankful, and what that means is on top of everything else I'll be creating one of my zany songs on any topic that he chooses. I haven't added anything to the lexicon for a while. And I really want to keep that going. So I'm going to kick it off again with the term status. There is nothing more impactful in drama or comedy than shifts in status between the characters. Think about an action film you saw recently. If the villain goes down in a way that they're unaware of their own demise or in some way hidden when it happens... It's it's not as pleasurable as if you can see the look on their face when they've lost their status. If you don't destroy their status before destroying them, the audience will not receive as much of a visceral payoff than, than if you really give it to them. One example of this is think about how many movies you've seen where the villain gets knocked off a building or off of a cliffside, something like that what you'll have is this long scene of their panicked look and they're clawing at the air and they're very physically falling. It's the most perfect manifestation of losing status as they fall to the ground. How about comedies? The main characters in comedies tend to start off in very low-status positions, surrounded by people who are much higher status than them, and they bumble through scene after scene trying to make things work falling over themselves having difficulty and that big payoff for the audience is by the end they've managed to juggle everything in a way that it it all comes together and they suddenly are on top of the game and the audience goes home feeling filled with excitement and hope and and laughter thinking back of all the terrible things that happened on the way to that successful end. What does any of this have to do with role-playing games? If you establish status early on in the story, there will be a bigger payoff further down the road. If you want to indicate the status of an NPC, talk about the way that they inhabit the space and the way they use their voice. If they're a very high status character, they're going to have a very structurally sound body they'll stand up straight and they'll hold their ground any break in that lowers their status if you break the lines of their body for example they cross their arms they lean on something they hunch over they're they're crossing their legs in some way all of those things will lower their status if they start moving around a lot pacing groveling Those things are obviously gonna drop their status very low. High status characters control their own message. They're easy to understand, they're clear, and they are deliberate in the way that they speak. Low status characters might rush, they might mumble. Could be that they're whispery or even too loud They don't control the way that they're coming across because they don't have the strength of conviction to follow up their message. Give your players the joy of watching that high-status villain recognize that they've lost control. Let them rejoice when that hireling they've been dragging around with them acts in a heroic way and realizes that they're more than just a helper reward your players emotionally by changing the status of the characters in the story as always if you have any ideas you want to share or questions feel free to call me through the anchor app or send me a note through swordbreaker at gmail.com i also have a patreon if you want to see some of the other things i'm working on the crew at your table is making demands. They want adventure in fantasy lands. Wahoo, sword breaker! You need some options and you need them now. They're bored with the owl bears and sick of the drow. Wahoo, sword breaker! You're brilliant, it's true, but you know in the end Even the finest can use a friend With random rambling and homebrewed lists Listener content with awesome twists Bounce, 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 Swordbreaker!